I got stabbed 13 times. The ones in the head went straight in, and in the arm went straight in, but the rest were just kind of like skin slices. Make you bleed a lot, but no organs. Frankie Susani had had a rough couple months. He'd been arrested trying to pull off a heist at a local Sam's Club. And then when he was out on bond, some guy tried to stab him to death in the bathroom of a restaurant. Now he was sitting in the county jail, waiting to testify against that guy, Mark Bacho. I stabbed up Susanne in the basement of the Splendid. So now here's the day of the court date. They bring back Frankie from prison. He's in the Blue County jumpsuit. Now what is going to happen? And he just sat there in silence on the witness stand. The prosecutor said, let the record show the witness has nothing to say. I was going to take it in my own hands. Street justice. Without Frankie's testimony, Thatcho was free to go. And Frankie was hauled back to jail to finish his sentence on the Sam's Club heist. For months, he thought about what he was going to do if he ever saw Bacho again. And then finally, he got paroled and was back on the street. When I got out, I was still going to handle this myself. The word was that Bacho had left Youngstown. But Frankie had some friends at the police department. A uh, cop called me. He said, Bacho's back in town. I says, OK, where's he living? He said, with his mother. I started putting my plan in motion. Frankie bought a blow car, registered in someone else's name, and he started driving around, stalking Bacho's haunts, hoping to catch him. I was going to run him over and just leave the car. When he couldn't find Bacho anywhere else, he staked out his mother's house. And we waited each night. He was never there. So then I found out he was on drugs and he was hanging out in crack houses. So that was it. I'm not going to go there. In the early 90s, drugs had taken over in Youngstown, and the murder rate was going up. There were parts of the city that were too rough, even for a tough guy like Frankie. But it was those places where Mark Bacho felt right at home. So I'm at the best crack house ever, Dougie Fresh's house, my drug house of choice. My drug addiction got really bad. I went from alcohol and cocaine powder to eventually smoking a crack. I felt myself to be untouchable, you know. And once that happened, you know, it was just, had nothing to lose. Bacho hadn't learned from his run-in with Frankie. He'd gotten into another beef with an old friend, a guy who hung out at the crack houses and went by the nickname, the Irish Killer. James Patrick Daly, the best Southpaw bare-knuckle street fighter ever. You know, he was messed up on the drugs. I was messed up on the drugs. And for some reason, he decided to go over to my mother's house and break out her bedroom window with a rock. So I took my mother's car, this big Impala, and I got a couple of propane tanks in the trunk. And I opened them up, soaked them in the high-test gasoline. Bacho pointed the car at his target a gas pipe outside the Irish killer's bedroom. He was in there sleeping. If you break out my mom's window, I'm gonna blow up your house. And I drove that car 
toward the gas pipe. And I jumped out of the car before it made it to the gas main. The car slammed into the Irish killer's house, but it didn't explode. Nothing happened because that's my luck. And I was drunk, not thinking clearly. The Irish killer. When I woke him up that night with my mom's Impala, <laughs> I think he felt a certain weight, which was scared. This is somebody that don't press charges. He pressed the charges against me. So I get six months in the county for that one. Around that same time, someone else was on their way back to the county jail too. Frankie Susani, fresh off being busted with 600 grand worth of stolen jewelry. Frank Susani pleaded not guilty this morning. He's accused of receiving stolen property. This is um, probably one of the biggest receiving stolen property cases that we've had. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in gold jewelry was found in his Meridian Road home. When I came into jail, it's big talk. Everybody knows I'm coming in. News cameras are outside, chasing down the van, transport me. There's a dozen news cameras running down the street. So it's not like a stranger walking in there. It had been a couple years since Frankie was stabbed, and his reputation as a thief had risen to celebrity status. But he kept getting caught and ending up back in a cell in the county jail. As he settled back in for another stint, somebody brought him a strange gift. They were boxer shorts, and they were like size 10. They were giant. So I thought it was a joke at first. But the gifts kept coming. Like brought me some t-shirts to wear, soap and toothpaste, just things like that. I didn't know who sent that stuff. And sometimes when Frankie got out of his cell, he would talk to this big husky guy on the tier. I'm talking to him for days. And believe me, I do it every day in my life. I talk to people, I have no idea who they are. Eventually he said, do you know who I am? And I says, no, I don't. And I was like kind of embarrassed. He said, I'm Mark Baccio, and he put his head down. So we're talking through the bars, and he says, you know, look at my face. My face is all messed up. This is the eye where you stabbed me when I was taking a leak and everything. I apologize. I says, I'm so sorry because, you know, I was messed up at the time. And I said, I really feel bad. I could tell he's sorry. He doesn't have to say, I'm sorry, I apologize. I could see it. I could see it in his face, the way he talked to me. And I put my hand out. I said, no hard feelings, Mark. And that was it. He appreciated, you know, and he never forgot it. And he sent word to his crew on the street that that thing between me and Mark Batchel, that was over with. I'm Mark Smerling. Welcome to Crooked City. There's no question that Lenny Strollo hated Joey Naples. 58-year-old Joey Naples was found dead in the driveway, shot twice. The killings are made because of greed. It's always greed. Lenny took it all over. He was a pig. Today, these younger members, well, they don't take orders like they used to. They go ahead and do things uh, on their own. No one wanted to cross me. It's a glint in your eye that when they see it, it's over. With. 
Chapter 9. Pull the trigger and you're in. Frankie Susani and Mark Bacho became friends in jail. So Frankie got the word out to his buddies at Youngstown United Music. The beef was over. I made friends with him in the jail. So he got out and started talking to my friends. How's Frankie? Tell him this. Tell him Frankie, 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 right? So that's how he started coming around there. Bacho started hanging around with the guys from United Music. And that's where he met Artie Saramelli. How'd you meet him? What was the situation? By him being Mark Bacho on the streets. I knew of him. You know what I mean? Bacho had a well-earned reputation for being unstable. He'd stabbed Frankie. He tried to kill his friend with a car. And when the guys at United Music gave him a job fixing a roof, he almost killed somebody with a hatchet. We're having him put fucking shingles on. He's throwing a fucking axe off the roof of the house. What the fuck am I going to do with this fucking bacho? And on top of all that, he was a mean drunk. I probably might have threw him out of a bar or something. Told him, get the fuck out of here. Bacho kept hanging around. And when he was sober, he was respectful. He called everybody Mr. Artie was Mr. C. And then we started to become friends and all this shit, you know. He would show up every single day and do what he's told to do. He's a straight up guy. Just don't fucking turn around and say something stupid in front of him. That's it. There were three things you could be when you got out of high school. One was a cop, a fireman, or mafia, so I gravitated toward the mafia. Bacho grew up poor, so he looked up to Artie and his friends, guys who drove Cadillacs, dressed well, ate at the best restaurants. But for Bacho, it was about more than just money. It was a place to belong. It was a sense of family, a sense of the familia. So that's what I did. I mean, I got nothing else. Why not? They would all go to our place restaurant and lounge on McCartney Road. That was the place to go because Ernie Biedel held park there seven days a week. Everyone was welcome and Ernie always paid the bill. Ernie Biendillo was a stocky, tough-looking, full-blooded Italian who wore shiny suits and flashy gold jewelry. The greatest last dawn that there ever was. Ernie had started out in the 60s a carpenter by trade, he made his bones as a thief for Joey Naples. A platoon of agents yesterday rushed the Wilson Avenue stronghold of Naples and arrested Ernie Biondillo on charges of transporting stolen property. By the late 80s, Ernie had gotten pinched a couple times, but he took his time like a man and kept his mouth shut. He had been Joey Naples' most trusted associate. Biondillo, described as Naples' lieutenant. Investigators linked him to local mob figures who were running gambling joints like the All-American Club in Camel. Ernie had been the guy Joey trusted to watch the money count at the All-American Club and keep an eye on his rival, Lenny Strollo. Police still linked Biondillo to mob boss Joey Naples, who met his violent end years ago. When his friend Joey Naples was murdered, Ernie took over the throne at Youngstown United Music but he still had to answer to the guy who everyone suspected had killed Joey, Lenny Strollo. Ernie was the type that he was not going to turn around and take orders from Lenny after Joey died. It wasn't going to happen. Simple as that. Like Joey, Ernie met with people in his office and helped them when he could. And he may have seen some good in Mark Bacho. 
Artie B and Dell loved me so much that when they talked about killing me for what I did to Susanna, he said, nah, this may be a good kid. Maybe somebody we want. He's a man with balls. To become a made man in the mafia, you had to meet a certain criteria. You had to be a full-blooded Italian. You had to take a pinch and keep your mouth shut. And you had to kill someone for the family. There was talk that Ernie might be made someday. And Bacho thought that if he stuck with Ernie, he could be made someday too. One night, Ernie was out at a bar when Bacho showed up. And he goes up to Ernie, and Ernie was drinking. And he goes, Ernie, what's the chances I can get a job down United Music? He goes, Bacho, go on down United Music, start there Monday. Artie's going to take you out on the route. Part of Artie's job at United Music was collecting the cash from all their vending machines. I'm down here on a Monday morning. Somebody's out here ringing the fucking bell like crazy. It's no later than 8.15 in the morning. So I go over to the door. It's Bacho. He's all happy. He's fucking geared up. I said, Mark, what are you doing? He goes, Mr. C, Ernie B told me, come down here. I'm going to work with you. Now understand, us guys are going out on the route dressed in blue jeans, t-shirt, sweatshirts, fucking bachos in a three-piece suit. <laughs> I come in the office here. I call Ernie up at the house. I say, hey, you tell Bacho he's coming to work down here? He goes, yeah, he's harmless. Take him out on the route. I say, Ernie, this kid's dressed in a three-piece suit. He goes, what? I said, he's in a three-piece suit. I said, what are you, why are you putting me in this position with this fucking nutball? He goes, listen, just tell him to stay down there and work the door. I said, okay. I said, Batch, you ain't going out on the route because they got a new position for you. Watch the door. Okay. Here comes Ernie, about 11 o'clock, 11.30. Comes in the fucking parking lot. There's seven or eight guys out on the fucking sidewalk. Ernie comes walking across the street and said, what the fuck? He goes, uh, what are you guys standing out here for? He goes, who the fuck you got here on the door here that tells us we ain't got our name on the list to get inside this fucking place? Fucking Bacho kept him outside. Kept him outside. I mean to tell you, he is, he's Bacho. He's a tough individual. Very tough. But for brains, <laughs> he has it not. He has done. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12 gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes. Any of the girls come in? Um, Octavia's here. Oh, yeah. I'm with my producer, Catherine, at what used to be a favorite hangout for the mob, a strip club called The Palace in the Pines. It used to be called the Pines, 
years ago. And they had pines down the driveway and all over, you know. Well, my husband said, this is my palace. So they called it the Palace in the Pines. Give them a drink on This is the owner of the palace, Dolly Lantine. She opened this place back in 1970 with her husband, Frankie Lantine, a guy from Joey Naples' crew. Dolly sits at the bar next to an old jukebox blaring Sinatra. On a stage in the middle of the room, one of the girls is warming up for the night. This girl is exquisite. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Good. She's gorgeous. She's double-jointed, I'm sure. <laughs> These days, the palace is pretty quiet on a weeknight. But Dolly describes what it was like in its heyday when the guys from United Music ran the place. We had bands and shows, and the bands got so expensive. He says, well, let's make a strip joint. So we start hiring girls and dancers. We put up a pole. I love the bar business. Just every day was a good day. On a Saturday night in the early 90s, the Palace in the Pines would be packed with guys tossing bills at the topless girls on stage. The United Music crew would hang out here. Cheap drinks flowed, and Dolly's tip jar filled to the brim. I would love to be back there waiting on people, shaking drinks. In the back was the royalty room. No booze, but the dancers were all nude. And that's where the palace's co-owner, Larry Sisman, could always be found. Larry was the king of sleaze. He was a fucking nut for these brats. Artie Saramelli was a regular at the palace, too. Larry was always going to Sam's Club to buy candy bars and candy and chocolate and everything for those dancers. And the Sam Club bill used to be like three, four hundred a week. Then Ernie would start. Hey, Larry, what the fuck? Quit buying the shit in the whole nine yards. You are not a priest to these girls. During the day, Larry was a successful produce salesman. At night, he got to come down to the Pines to play gangster. As part owner, he basically bought his way into the mob. But he didn't exactly fit in. What the fuck is this guy even doing on this corner? Why would he even be associated with these guys? He should be in his produce business wrapping tomatoes. The tomato man. Of course, the Palace in the Pines was stocked with United Music's machines, and Mark Batcho had been hired to service them. So I'm thinking I'm getting promoted. I think they're going to bring me to the table, and I'm about to be a made man, but here I was just cleaning the vending machines, just like any other funky. Batcho was waiting for an opportunity to prove his loyalty. He would do anything to get in the good graces of the mob. Batchel was a type of individual that would go out of his way for you. But don't let somebody stupid turn around and say, I can't stand that guy. When Batchel loves that guy, Batchel will get that individual. It's probably... About 5 o'clock, 5.30 in the afternoon uh, at the palace. This place is starting to fill up with all those guys. Everybody's coming in. You know what I mean? The girl I'm messing around with, Melanie, goes over to play the jukebox. All right? There's three guys in there that we don't know who the hell it is. This guy turns around. He goes, why are you playing this black music in here? 
The girl looks at her and says, Well, you got something better to play that I could strip to? And she, this kid turns around and says, Why don't you put some country on here or something? Melanie goes, Why the fuck don't you shut up? She plays her songs and she walks over. This guy comes over. He deliberately hits the fucking jukebox. Knocks a whole fucking tray of CDs off. Now there is no music. Dolly starts screaming. She goes, what the fuck are we going to do for music now? I'm over by the jukebox. I go, who the fuck are you? And he turns around and tells, fuck you. And we're back and forth. I'm looking at him. I say, yeah, whatever, buddy. Get the fuck away from me. It was at that moment that Mark Bacho walked into the room. RDC from Briar Hill, who never worked and never will, was standing there with this big, big, giant guy. And Artie's hitting him with the mafia finger. That's the trigger finger and the finger to the side. He's telling him, ba-bing, 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 and you got this and that, you better stay away from Melanie. I gotta leave. So I go out the door. This guy hollers. Yeah, you better leave. This asshole was stupid enough to follow me out the front door. That's all it took. Bacho walked out the door behind the guy and grabbed a brick off the porch. Fucking Bacho hits this motherfucker on side of his head. Bam, 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 bam. He's done. Out. I said, ah, oh, fuck. I thought this fucking guy's dead. I said, Bacho, go in the back room. Don't let nobody know nothing. They don't know who did what. I jump in the car. I get the fuck out of here. Artie went down the street to Our Place Restaurant to lay low. And after a while, Ernie Biandillo showed up. He goes, what the fuck happened? Ernie had just come from the palace, where the owner, Frankie Lantine, was furious. He goes, Frankie's on a fucking warpath. He's fed up with all the fights that are happening up there, and he's fucking screaming. I said, by the way, I said, how's that guy? He goes, he's in the back of an ambulance right now. Who the fuck do you think this guy is? He's a Mill Creek Park cop. Mark Bacho had just put a cop in a coma. The chief of the Mill Creek Park police in Youngstown heard how one of his guys had gotten in a fight at the Palace in the Pine Strip Club. Now, the guy was laid up in the hospital in a coma. So he paid his officer a visit. Artie Saramelli heard about what happened later. This kid was never supposed to be up there. The chief in Mill Creek Park turned around to him and said, well, what the fuck are you up there for? He goes, you're supposed to be down here at Lake Glacier, fucking patrolling the lake. What the fuck are you up there for? So now you got to make a decision. You want to keep your job or you want to lose your job? He goes, no, no, I don't want anything to do with it. I'm not suing nobody. I don't want no part of all this. Let it go away. Mark Bacho had caught two lucky breaks. The cops survived, and Bacho didn't have to go back to jail. But that's where his luck ran out. His boss at the palace, Larry Sisman, the tomato man, had had enough. Larry fires me from this job, which I love so much. And I can't go back. Bacho was trying to show the guys at United Music that he was loyal and tough. All they had to do was ask, and he'd take care of anyone who stood in their way. I'm the one that's going to lay down my life. I'm the one that's going to go to prison forever. 
I had done everything that I was supposed to do. But Bacho felt that Larry Sisman was standing in his way, a rich guy who had bought his way in and cut Bacho out. You treat this guy with more respect because he's got money from his tomato business from before. The evening that this happened up at the palace, I know exactly what night it was. It was on a Friday night. The guys from United Music were sitting around bad-mouthing Larry Sisman. He hadn't been running the royalty room well. He was spending too much money. And the palace's owner, Frankie Lantine, was sick of it. So he started MF and Larry. He goes, you know something, this motherfucker, I like this, this son of a bitch is driving me up the wall. And I want to fucking just kill him. Bacho hears the conversation. Whatever business mall they had for the palace, Larry was fucking it up. They're kicking his back in so much that I'm thinking that they're saying something needs to be done. A few nights later, on a cold March evening, Bacho was sitting in his car outside the palace, waiting for Larry Sisman. I seen Larry leaving. I followed him. When I knew where he lived, got up ahead of him, waited. Ernie couldn't stand him. I couldn't stand him. He was faking. When you're in a gang, you can't fake. Guys will see that whether you're in prison or you're on the street. There's a thing about the respect. If I want that respect, you know, I got to bring it. I got to bring my A game. Ah! Worst thing ever is to kill someone. When you see that body fall like that, there was a hole in the right side of his head about the size of a softball. Got in the car, drove away, didn't even look back. So I'm in our place with a few guys. It's like going on four o'clock in the morning now. And we're all having breakfast. Who comes busting through the fucking restaurant? It's Bacho. I mean, this guy is sweating from head to toe, dirty looking the whole nine yards. I said, Mark, where the fuck are you coming from? I, I had to take care of something. I just left the palace. So he goes into the bathroom, washes up, and he splits. 10 o'clock Saturday morning. I'm at home. I get a phone call. It's Ernie. He goes, get down to the shop. I said, boy, so what's going on to get all you guys out of bed so early in the morning? He said, Larry's gone. I said, what? He goes, Larry's gone. Somebody whacked him last night. Who comes into this fucking office half an hour later? Bacho, crying his eyes off. Larry's gone, Larry's gone. Did that change anything for you? Larry? Yeah, before that, did you think that you could kill somebody? Did I think that I could kill somebody? 
Catherine, I'll, I'll be honest, it surprised me I hadn't by that point. That mentality that I was in, it was really bad. After Larry Sisman's murder, the guys at United Music suspected Bacho. Frankie Lantine and Pinto, Joey Naples' bodyguard, wanted to get revenge. But Ernie Biandillo stepped in. I think Ernie knew that I killed Larry Sisman, and he wouldn't let Lantine or Pinto do anything about it. Ernie always saw the good in people. Ernie was loyal. United Music was at a crossroads under the direction of Ernie Biandillo. Ernie had expanded the business, and he was putting out his own poker machines without cutting in the boss, Lenny Strollo. The word on the street was that Ernie was looking to make a move. Did Ernie have designs on taking over? Definitely. Why wouldn't he? It's business. When you choose this type of living, this is it. And then he wasn't going to wait until Lenny passes away by natural causes or something. That wasn't happening. So how do you take over if it's not going to happen that way? Kill him. After Ernie went to bat for Mark Bacho, the guys from United Music set aside their differences with him. A couple months later, they all got together. June 1st, 1996. Paul Pinto's 70th birthday. Because they knew that I was a mean drunk, they had me work the bar. At some point in the night, Ernie came over to talk. He pulled me over in the doorway. He says, come here, let me see you. Let me look at you in the light. It was like he had this light come off him. Bacho's dad had left him when he was a kid. Ernie must have seemed like the closest thing he had to a father. He says, look at you. Let me see your hands. Boy, you don't have no grease under there. You're all cleaned up. Look at you. I'm so proud of you. I said, well, thanks, Ernie. All this time, Bacho just wanted to be part of something. Part of the family. He says, now you're ready to take the next step. And I knew that within that week, I was going to earn my button. I was going to kill something for my hero, my Don. That was it. I was so close. And you pull the trigger and you're in. I'd be made mad forever, and I'd be good. Bacho didn't realize at the time, but someone else was watching him and Ernie talking. Lenny Strollo's brother, Danny. And word got back to Lenny. Ernie had a new weapon, an unhinged man ready to kill for his hero. On the next episode of Crooked City, the chickens come home to roost. Ernie was smart, but smart people do some dumb things. Like talk about what he was going to do to Lenny. Crooked City is a production of Truth Media in partnership with Sony Music Entertainment. The show is produced by Catherine Sullivan, Alexa Burke, Olivia Briley, and Zach St. Louis. Ryan Swikert is our senior producer. Story editing is by me, Mark Smerling, and Ryan Swikert. Kevin Shepard is our associate producer. Scott Curtis is our production manager. John Ciccatelli, our local producer in Youngstown. Fact-checking by Dania Suleiman. George Draping Hicks did the mix. Sound designed by George Draping Hicks and Ryan Swikert. Music by Kenny Kusiak and Marmoset. Our title track is Hurricane Heart Attack by the Warlocks. 
Continue the conversation with us online by tweeting at Crooked City Pod. That's at Crooked City Pod. If you've enjoyed Crooked City, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps other people find the show. And thanks for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.